Well, let's go to God in prayer once more before we go to his word. Let's pray. Father, right now we look to you and help from your spirit that we might see Jesus, that we might know and experience what he has done in us by his spirit, that we might walk away from this place having heard your word, changed by it, and live according to it. I pray for this help in Jesus' name and amen. Well, it's a new year in New England, which means that come April, more like May, possibly June, certainly by July, (laughs) the sun will come out and stay out. It will shine consistently for all our waking hours, and it will be warm. Hallelujah. Come quickly. And at that point, the winter coat, the gloves, the hat, they'll all be put away, and out will come the shorts and t-shirts, even a bathing suit. But as you think about the spiritual climate of this world, and the heavenly one that we're called to live in, what's your dress code for life? Not one particular season for life in this world? Does it fit the dark winter of the flesh or the summer light of the spirit? Or is your life kind of like April or May in New England? Your your closet is, is, is kind of in flux. The spiritual weather can change from day to day. Well, church, in light of our gospel calling in Christ, that's not an option. Because the difference that Christ makes isn't a change of degree, but of reality. Forget the weather. Let's leave that illustration for a minute. The difference that grace in the gospel makes in the Christian life is a night and day difference. The dress code for your life is for one or the other. So, again, does the dress code of your life match the change that God says that he's made in you through Christ, in Christ? And since everyone's usually talking about change around the new year, I think this text that we're looking at this morning is especially appropriate for today. Here's what's happening in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, if you want to turn there. Paul's just beautifully described God's glorious grace to us in the gospel. We're new creations created in Christ to do good works. And one of the central good works that we all must do is to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That as the body of Christ on earth, one of the ways that we live in a manner worthy of the gospel is to live as a spirit-filled community. Which is why the Spirit gives us gifts in the church. 
It's so that we might use those gifts to build up the body of Christ. And in particular, the central instrument that the Spirit uses through us is the truth. That's in chapter 4, where he talks about how all of those gifts the Spirit uses to build up the body of Christ through speaking the truth in love. So when it comes to change, the kind that we should especially be concerned with every day, Paul commands Christians to adorn our lives with clothing fit for life in the Spirit. That's what we want to do as we walk away today. We must live in a manner worthy of our calling in the gospel. So, adorn your life with clothing fit for life in the Spirit. Adorn your life with clothing fit for life in the Spirit. And there are two ways to do this in the text. First, put off, or take off, put away, what fits a darkened mind and heart. This is in verses 17 through 24. Put off what fits a darkened mind and heart. Second, put on what fits the light of grace. It's a night and day difference. So if you are in Christ and you want to live in a manner worthy of the gospel, put off what fits a darkened mind and heart, put on what fits the light of grace. And that's in verses 25 through 32. So first, put off what fits a darkened mind and heart. Look at verse 17. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Paul's strongly urging us to live our lives underneath the the lordship of Jesus Christ, and clearly that requires a change. It's a change that we can make only by God's grace. And there's a pattern to this change. If you notice here in chapter 4, it it moves from the mind to the heart to practice. So the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts, verse 17. Darkened in their understanding, verse 18. Because the ignorance that is in them. And because of the hardness of their hearts. This is mind to heart. And so in verse 19 comes practice. They became calloused and practiced every kind of impurity with an insatiable desire for more. But verse 20, that is not how you came to know Christ. And the pattern repeats. Verse 21, you heard and were taught the truth that is in Jesus. 
Verse 22, to take off the old self with its deceitful desires of the heart and to put on the new self. Verse 24, which leads to a whole new practice or lifestyle that we read about in verses 25 through 32. So that's the goal. It's it's to adorn our lives with Christ-likeness. And Paul's telling us how to put on these new clothes. Mind to heart to practice. And a quick glance at the text just makes it clear how important the role of truth plays in sort of the beginning of that change. Paul's urging us to take care of our minds and how we think. Right? Verse 17, thoughts. Verse 18, understanding. Ignorance. Verse 21, truth. 23, minds. 24, truth. It's a simple change we can make for our lives, and it clearly starts in our minds with the truth. Not empty thoughts or lies, but truth that he says is in Jesus. Meaning, Jesus is the sum and substance of the truth, of what we understand everything life to be about. You know, I hear a a lot of good stuff in our Christian theological circles uh, that puts an emphasis on the heart. So the kind of stuff that this church would encourage you to read, sort of people we listen to, uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there that is just putting the emphasis on the heart. Uh, and in part, I think, because it seems like there was a time when, when pastors were putting more of an emphasis on the externals. And so churches did too, and that clearly became unhelpful. It's a, it's a dangerous thing to do, actually. If you're just focusing on the external, externals, that has the tendency of creating Pharisees who focused on right behavior, which was good, uh, but without right affections. And so like whitewashed tombs, People can look good on the outside and be wretched on the inside. And so I'm thankful for the concern that many Christian leaders and churches now have to take care of the heart issues. But that means we can't forget about the mind. If we want to take care of the heart and get to root issues, we have to first also think about the truth and the mind. Clearly, if you care about the heart, you'll give it attention. You'll think about the way you think. And that's a challenge. Because we're constantly bombarded with messages fit for the flesh. I don't know if anybody else can identify with this, but maybe because of the last couple of years, just the way 2020 went into 2021, 2022, or maybe because I'm now hitting the middle years, It's been easy for my thoughts to just run in lots of different directions. Many thoughts now I have are all about the future. And it's easy for me to start dwelling there. And personally, for the first time in my life, I've become to worry about having security in this world. I find myself reading just across the board, lots of, of, of different things uh, because of it. Reading articles and watching videos that are in some ways very practically helpful for the future, planning and that sort of thing. But I'm not sure what kind of effect that those things are always having on my heart. There are good things to think about, 
But again, if I'm dwelling there, my heart seems to go in different places rather than Christ. So I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm a pastor. And I've said before, I, I, I sometimes just think I'm, I'm not a good enough Christian to not be one. I'm, I'm, I thank God that he has given me gifts and called me to this work because I, I think it's his way of, of keeping me in the faith in some ways. I just praise the Lord that my work forces me to spend a lot of time in God's word. It forces me to read good theological articles that, that honestly I, I might not read if I weren't in this position. But I'm strongly incentivized to read for this work, and again, which is good for my heart, and that's a great grace to me, but it concerns me for you. Now, thankfully, some of you are, are very well aware of your dependence on God's grace. You know and you, the, the need for your, you to prioritize the word in your life, and, and so I admire and, and respect you more than you realize. Um, you're, you're such a great encouragement to me. But I know some of us here, and maybe all of us at points, in terms of time spent working the mind for the good of the heart, these sermons on Sunday mornings are the most that you'll get all week, if not everything. And that's a problem. Even if you're not a pastor, you're a Christian. Paul's writing here to the whole church, calling on the whole church to live a life that's worthy of our calling in Christ. A whole church to have a dress code fit for heaven. By grace, through faith, we are new creations in Christ. And so that change comes with the calling. And apparently, in order to live out that calling, your knowledge of the truth that is in Jesus is crucial for living out that calling. And that weighs on me as a pastor for you. Weighs on me for my own life, but but also as as a shepherd of, of this flock. One of the things it does for me is it makes me want to make sure that there's enough truth clearly communicated to be understood in every one of these sermons to illuminate minds. Truth that that sharpens the mind. Truth that convicts. Truth that gives hope. Truth that holds out God as desirable and awe-inspiring. You know, just sermons that are just kind of like on the surface, practical for life, don't have enough to help us live with the dress code of heaven. So I'm, I'm not afraid to preach to the mind. That that's, ends up being really practically helpful. We as a church need that. And that makes me want to read the Bible and good books on the Bible so that my sermons are the product of a mind and a heart that's absorbed the rays of grace throughout the week. And so rather than sitting down to write a sermon and trying to produce something that's heartfelt after spending most of my time reflecting on earthly matters or wasting too much time on mindless entertainment, I want to have been in it all week, soaking in the rays of God's grace from the the light of the gospel, right? And that doesn't mean that I'm not reading outside the Bible or wanting to challenge my mind with thoughtful articles from the world, but I need to read those things with a purpose. And the reason I share all that 
is because if that's true for me, so that I preach the word with affections, then it's true for you in order to listen to the word with affections. Don't expect to be emotionally moved by the text on Sunday if your minds are somewhere else all week. If we want this time to change us so that we live on Monday differently, it means that on Monday and throughout the rest of the week, we need to have minds that are being shaped for Sunday so that the Spirit can move here through the preaching of His Word. And so all of this makes me think about our church discipleship. As we disciple one another in the truth, we want the whole body to be equipped well to do the work of the ministry. If we're not all thinking well, then I assume we're never going to push beyond the meaning of the text to experience the reality of the text. If I have a hard time as a pastor putting off futile thoughts throughout the week, being corrupted by deceitful desires of the world, then I'm assuming that it's hard for most people as they go to work in a secular environment each day where where the atmosphere is all about the futility of this world, where there is no shame in pursuing lies because of deceitful desires. How's your heart affected throughout the week? in the environment, the atmosphere that you live in? How's it being affected by everything that you see and hear on your newsfeed? We need to urge each other to put off what's fitting for a mind that doesn't live in light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. But if we're going to do that, we need to feed the mind in order to nourish the heart. We want to consume sermons that follow the pattern of the text here. Sermons that have truth tied to the heart. right? Thinking to desire. We want to understand the truth of what God has said and apply it. Because clearly the heart matters. In fact, it's the heart that determines the clothing. It's because of the hardness of their hearts, verse 19. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. It's reminiscent of, of Romans 1. Apart from Christ, we live, as, we live godless and aimless lives, trading the glory of God for images, seeking to satisfy bottomless stomachs of desire, worthy of God's wrath. Now that's That's at first hard to read. Because I know that uh, you might be here today as as someone who who doesn't know Christ, who's not a believer. And if you are, we're really glad you're here. Thank thank you for, for being here. And I understand that in your heart, you might have little to no interest in the truth of the Bible right now. But again, I'm glad you're here. And the encouraging side of this is that Paul's preaching to people who he says no longer live that way. They've been changed by the truth. In fact, in chapter 2, Paul says that he himself, along with the rest of the church, were dead in their sins, living according to every evil inclination of their flesh. That was the, the natural dress code of their life. 
but they came to know Christ. Therefore, in verse 22, he's commanding us to take off our former way of life, the old self. He's commanding them to change their clothes into something that fits the occasion. New thinking, truth in Christ comes with new desires. In fact, we're not just getting rid of an old pair of clothes, church, but an old wardrobe. Like the 80s are out. Thank goodness, it was never really good. Um, but when we've gotten a new style. Now, I remember when my style changed. I, I grew up playing basketball in the 90s. So if you weren't there, uh, what that means is that everything was huge on me. You know, you can ask Lenny, he'll tell you. Jeff Schaefer will make fun of me still. But even as a pastor, my clothes tended to be large. <laughs> so I, I remember one Sunday, actually, this, this college student at a church said, Hey, Kevin, is that a new shirt? I said, Yeah. How'd you know it was a new shirt? And she smartly said, It fits. <laughs> And I thought, i gotta, I got to grow up. i gotta, I got to dress like a pastor. This is ridiculous, you know? <laughs> well, that's the way it should be with, our, with, our, with a, a Christian who's, who's come to Christ, right? The, the desires of this world have changed. They, they no longer fit the flesh. They have new desires for Christ. And so it's like we've taken on this new style as a Christian. Not, not, not in physical clothes. We can all dress differently in here, and that's great. But our lives now look different. And it starts in our minds and then our hearts. It's not just about what we do. It's about what's making us do what we do. We put off what made us live one way and we put on truth and holiness out of a desire to glorify God. That's why we're told here to abandon deceitful desires. To abandon desires. How do you do that? Paul's telling you, you, you change your mind. And then you put off those desires. You, you act on new. So we're not following Adam in Genesis 3, right? Who's, who's letting his eyes tell him what we want. We don't let our eyes tell us what we want. Like Adam, we, we aren't refusing to listen to God's commands, but instead believe, and, but believing him, right? We're not listening to the lies of Satan, Who's contradicting God's word? If our desires lines up with the world against God, we know it's a corrupted desire. And so we abandon that even if we want it. Because we know it's deceitful. See, that's the only way to obey that command. The thing about deceit is that you won't feel it. You won't see it. It lies. You have to know the truth and then act on what you know. And that's hard. Especially in a society that has led us to believe that truth is determined by what we feel. That's deceitful. You won't feel it. You won't see it. You have to know it and act on it. Because God has revealed it. So, again, thankfully, Paul tells us how to do this seemingly impossible work in verse 23 to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self we give the holy spirit opportunity to renew our minds through his truth we act on the truth because god 
has done and is doing a new creation work in us. So though we aren't physically in heaven, we can see its light, that is the light of heaven, by faith in his word. So that that seeing the light of heaven by faith in his word, we put on clothes that are fitting for that, that day. We live for the day of redemption. Our lives are to be dressed for that light. God commands us to live in it because his new creation work has already begun. Isn't that encouraging? Praise the Lord that we can change. That living the Christian life doesn't have to be like a New Year's resolution that we know will eventually fail. And he's telling us how to do it. So church, get in the word. Now make 2023 a year where you have a healthy diet of God's word every day. Read it. Listen to sermons throughout the week. Certainly hear it preached every week. Memorize it. Apply it to your hearts. Live it out with others. Help each other do the same thing. You know, in fact, don't forget to let the church be a grace to you in this way. We can be deceived by how good we look as Christians. But a church that's committed to God's word and living out the gospel can be like a helpful spiritual mirror to us. You know, so let others who see more clearly speak the truth in love into your life. And together, chapter 4, verse 15, the whole body will grow up into the head that is Christ. And in one sense, this this change is immediate. Like changing your clothes. Boom, we're made new. The former way is in the past, and we're new creations. But in another sense, it's clear in Scripture that this is a process that needs to happen each day as we are renewed day by day. The Spirit conforms us into God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. And that's a process. But it's a guaranteed process. Our union with Christ means that our former self died with Jesus and we have been raised with him. So the Spirit's at work in us with resurrection power, the only way that he can for new creation glory. And it's a necessary consequence of the risen Lord and his kingdom reign. He's doing it. That's encouraging. Through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit, we have the joy and hope of living out this new reality. And that brings us to the second way we can adorn a life. It's by putting on what fits the light of grace. It has shined upon us, shone upon us. And we can dress our lives accordingly. Look at verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. A lot less is, is said about the mind and heart in these verses. Because having come to the truth about Christ, we're now in union with Christ. We've got his spirit living inside us, and therefore we have new hearts. And so now there's a call to action. The new self comes with a new way of life. And this new way of life also follows a threefold pattern. Just like the change. The change had a threefold pattern. Now the living has a threefold pattern. Each command here first involves putting off the old, putting on the new. And it's because of a Christ-like desire, which is to bless others just as Christ has done in the gospel. So, verse 25, we don't want to sin in our anger, but resolve it quickly for peace. Why? Well, because if Christ has joined us together in the spirit of the bond of peace, division gives the devil a foothold. Verse 28, the thief should no longer steal, put off. But instead, put on honest work. Why? So that they share with others who are in need. He said, put off, put on, new desire with new action. Verse 29, we're not using foul language anymore, but putting on the words that build up the body of Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Why? To give grace to those who hear, just as the truth about Christ did for us. Verse 31, we're getting rid of bitterness, anger, and wrath. Put off. But now put on being kind and compassionate, forgiving one another just as God has forgiven us in Christ. That's the why. Because union with Christ means wanting to live like Christ. Because it offers others the same kind of life-giving blessings that we've been given in Jesus. Real practical, deep, stuff like this is part of the reason I love the Christian faith. I mean, just just look at it. When I think of how beautifully our faith weaves together the mind, heart, and body, right? Doctrine, desire, and actions. It just strengthens my faith in God's word. He he has not given us here a list of to-dos that aren't rooted in something real. And these things that are, the, the, the realities that they're rooted in are things to be loved. They're beautiful. They're worthy of our desires. Just strengthens my faith in God's word and my walk with Christ. Especially when it's just so different than everything else I see in this world. I, I, I'm so exhausted by the kind of blind hypocrisy and inconsistency which is driven by selfish desires that I see in this world. I mean, isn't it a tiring thing? What people say today is often said in complete contradiction to history and experience. It's not rooted in anything real. And we're not better off for it. And I can feel people struggle for the truth. Our world is lost and angry because of it. And maybe that's You today. But as I believe God's word about Christ, and as I put it into practice to be like Christ, that's when I feel most alive as a a person. And I come into a community like this, which all believing that 
and committed to living it out. And it's a life-giving community. I mean, it's just a heavenly atmosphere in this church that we walk into each week and then live together throughout the week. It's just, it's just good. And that should be attractive to a world living in the dark. You know, if you've ever been in a pitch dark room and you're, you're looking to get out of that room, like one of those haunted houses, maybe that you've been in where you, you walk in, the door shuts, it's pitch black. You know, as soon as you see just a, a ray of light somewhere in that room, you move towards the light. You know that's the way out. And the Christian life is meant to be that for a dark world. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us, verse 30, has sealed us for the day of redemption. And so as we live in light of that day, the world should see the church as sort of a, a ray of light into the dark world where they, they come. Kind of heard that about that in John's testimony a couple of weeks ago. It's the reason he said he came back. You see, sin has covered this world in darkness. It's blinded us to God's glory so that we deny its truth and we live for pleasure in created things. And so the pattern of this world is to live in darkness. It's to be ignorant of God. Like we're asleep in life. And that's dangerous because God's not ignorant. God sees. And the day of judgment is also coming. For us who believe The night is nearly over and the day of our redemption, our salvation is near. So it's it's like the gospel's our alarm clock, right? It it wakes us up to our sin and our need to repent. The, The truth about Christ wakes us up to the glory of God in Christ. And our eyes are suddenly open to the light of our coming salvation. In the same way that you can see the light of the sun in the sky before the sun fully arises. And so Paul's saying, wake up, get up, put on some different clothes. He's he's preached the gospel. Jesus has died for your sins. He has risen. He reigns. He's coming back. That that light, the dawn, is here. And one day, the sun will fully rise in the sky, and it will be the day of our redemption. Wake up, get up, put on some new clothes, live in the light. Don't be a fool and hit the snooze button. Dabbling in sin? Halfway living for this world? Halfway awake to Christ? Halfway awake to the truth? But remaining in the bed of your old ways? Put off the deeds of darkness. You have an obligation to live in the morning light. Put on Christ. You know, I noticed no one walked in here today in their pajamas. Those are nighttime clothes, right? Just imagine if I had walked up here into the pulpit with my, you know, my slippers and my PJs. That would, that'd be weird. <laughs> it doesn't fit the work of preaching. It doesn't fit this day in which God's people are gathering together to give Him praise. Well, in the same way, walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling in Christ. Live for the praise of God's glorious grace and adorn your life with spirit-filled acts of Christ-likeness. Live as if you're God's adopted child. As if Jesus is your king. As if a holy city is your future inheritance. That's where you're going. Dress your life accordingly. And don't play dress up. 
know, the Christian life really can be dangerous. We can hide in our behavior. We can hide in our Christian language. We can even hide behind our good doctrine. And in reality, have hearts that are far from God because we're not really living out the truth we proclaim. And so we deceive ourselves by the way that we've played dress up. And verse 30 says we grieve the Holy Spirit when we do that. If we're in Christ, His Spirit has claimed us for the day. Live in light of the day. Put off the old, put on the new. Now again, to be clear, this is both an event and a process. So even as I grow as a Christian, my life can sometimes feel just like my attic. You know, sometimes I walk into my attic and I think, it's just growing clothes. I, I don't know how we did it, but the attic is, is, is growing clothes. You know? And I've got old clothes in there that I haven't worn in a long time. I forget about them. And, and then I walk in there and I go, oh yeah, I remember that shirt. I like that shirt. You know, maybe I should keep it. And then that's when Melissa says, no, we're, we're getting rid of it. You know, giving it away. <laughs> well, as we walk in a manner worthy of our calling in the gospel, as we feed our minds with the truth of Scripture, the Spirit's going to reveal sin in your life that you didn't know was there. And it's just a continual practice of putting off, putting on. Putting off, putting on. Because the... We're not yet there because we're still in the flesh. It's just going gonna to be times where we are deceived. And we put on old clothes. We're like, why am I wearing this? And then you have a body of people who know the gospel, who are trying to live in the light, and they lovingly tell you, yeah, that doesn't fit anymore. You got a different style. Put that off. Put on the new. And, and church, we're just called to do that. We just have to keep on continually telling one another, put off, put on. And root it in the gospel of grace. It's all grace. So as we do this together with one another's help, we're going to be conformed more and more into Christ's likeness. Growing in maturity, growing up in Christ, reflecting more and more the light of the coming day of redemption. And it will be a beautiful thing. But the day isn't fully here. And so we all need to live with one another knowing that we're still sinners. Right? So until the night is fully over, let's help one another engage in the spiritual battle of the night. It's a war. Some of what we must put on daily is that spiritual armor in Ephesians 6. Right? The belt of truth. A breastplate of righteousness. Shoes of peace a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're going to adorn your life with the light of grace, you need to take up that armor. So church, do whatever it takes to lead the way in putting off the old and putting on the new. Make 2023 a year of Bible intake. Memorize it, meditate on it, read it, Hear it, sing it. May 2023, a year of prayer where you recognize you are dependent on God's spirit to do this good work in you. To take all that Bible intake and make it real in the heart. 
I just, I just encourage you, as you're reading the Bible this year, don't just read it for knowledge. Read it for a love of God. And so what that means is that sometimes you have to read and read beyond the meaning to the reality of the text. Sometimes we can just be focused on what does it say, what does it mean. But this is amazing stuff. Get to the reality, right? Even as I'm talking, I'm talking about new creation, new life, new clothes. Think about that. This really happened. Jesus has made us new. The day of redemption is coming. That's a real day. One one day, there will not be a new year. This is is just history right now that's, that's playing out. But that will end. That's a reality. Get there in your Bible reading so that it affects your desires and your life. People today are ready to see something real. Something that remains when everything else is being destructed and torn down. Something worth living for because it offers real peace, real joy, real hope. And this something really is a someone. As this is all about Jesus. Jesus is worthy of our lives. And because he's worthy of our lives, it's not legalistic to say to another Christian, you can't do that. If you're going to follow Jesus. Because this truth about Christ. And because of his spirit in you. You need to adorn your life with clothing that's fit for life in the spirit. We believe the gospel. We look to his spirit for help. And then we choose to live not by the flesh but by the spirit. And we do this by putting on Christ. So let's go to him now in prayer. And let's pray for his help to do that. Let's pray. God, as we think about changes we want to make this year, God, we pray that we would first and foremost think about the change that you have worked in us already. Oh God, help us see Christ. And seeing the change that you have worked already in Christ, the way that you count us righteous, Lord, we pray that we would have your Spirit's help to live out that change. That we would know your power this year in our own sanctification. And we pray this for the glory of your Son. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.